This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. English hero Phil Marshall Montgomery once said to his troops, Gentlemen, do not even consider marriage until you've mastered the art of war. Well, there's a war going on today, a war against the family. Today, that's our topic, the family under attack. In all probability, some of you watching right now are experiencing some attacks against your own family. Please stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And I want to emphasize it is free. And we're going to pause long enough for you to learn more about the course and how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. It was her wedding day. A young girl's dad was just about to escort her down the aisle to be married. Her dad was a very successful man. He had amassed a lots of money. And as they were standing in the rear of the building, waiting for that magical moment to come down the aisle, he stooped down and he whispered in her ear, We haven't spent much time together, have we? And she just said one word, Nope. You know, sometimes we get caught up in the so-called urgent things of life, that, that we overlook the things that are the most important things of life. I don't know of anything that should be more, more important to any of us than our family. You know, I believe that whatever a home can be is what a home ought to be. You know, I remember buying a new car when just right after I'd gotten out of college and I'd started preaching and, and I needed a car. Desperately did I need a car. And I remember seeing on that car a little flaw and I went back to the dealer and I, I pointed it out to him and he said, and we were friends. He said, Billy, he said, do you realize that if that car was 99, 44, 100% perfect, there'd be 200 things wrong with it. I don't know about you. I'm not going to buy a new car that has 200 things wrong with it. You see, whatever that new car can be is what it ought to be. And I believe that whatever a home can be, a marriage can be, 
is, is what it ought to be, don't you? I, I don't spend a lot of time, uh, maybe I should, but I don't spend a lot of time talking about the, the problems that people have that have already had. I, I like to talk about things that will help us prevent problems. How, how can we prevent having those problems? You know, as a child, I learned this little nursery rhyme. I know you did too. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. And Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all of the king's horses and all of the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Can you, can you imagine how frustrating it would be to put a cracked egg back together? And it's just that difficult, frequently, to put a fractured marriage back together. So what we need to do, rather than trying to talk about what we ought to do after it's fractured, Let's do some prevention. There was a little village down in South America built right on the edge of a cliff. And some of the natives were forever falling down the cliff and being injured. The town council met. And the town council said, what are we going to do? And someone suggested they just build a hospital at the foot of the cliff. Wouldn't it have been much better to have built some kind of a barrier to keep the people from falling? Or better yet, move the village far away from the edge of the cliff. Let's try to prevent problems happening in our homes. You know, in our day, a lot of talk is about family values. Family values. You hear politicians talk about family values. And you hear people in the media, media talking about family values. And not to be outdone, preachers talk about it too. Have you noticed? And we're, we're talking about the perception we have sometimes of family values. And what is often overlooked is the way God sees family values. I would think we would be more concerned about what God says about the home than anyone else. And there are some reasons that I would give you for, for, that, for, for making that statement. I, I'm more concerned about God's viewpoint about the family because God is the one that made it. If I have a problem with my automobile, I don't take my automobile to a man that works on lawnmowers. No, I want to take it to someone that knows more about that car than anyone else so he can fix it. And if I want to fix my home, I need to go to the one who created the home in the very beginning of time, and that's God. He knows more about it than anyone else. Another reason I think we ought to be consulting God about the family is because God is wiser than we are. Oh, I know a lot of people today think they're so smart, but God's wiser than we are. In the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verses 8 and 9, the, there the prophet said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither my ways your ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and your thoughts, and my ways than your ways. We need to be thinking about God and the way God sees the family. Another reason I think we ought to be concerned about God's viewpoint about the home is because He is the one before whom one day we will give an account for how we have conducted ourselves in the home. 
That's a pretty serious thought. That's some heavy thinking. So I want to know how does God see the home? How does God view the home? How does God value the home? Now I want to direct your attention today to a, to a chapter in the Bible that I believe helps us to understand God's point about, point, viewpoint about the home. And, and I believe that this is a chapter that will help prevent our, help us with the enemy attack against the home. And that's the 127th Psalm. And in the first verse or two of that psalm, the psalmist writes and says, Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is a vain thing for you to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. In ancient times, when they built cities, there were walls around the city. And there was a man on those walls, and they referred to him as the watchman on the walls. And among the many purposes for the watchman on the walls was to watch for the approach of an enemy. And when he saw the enemy coming, he would warn the inhabitants of the city to prepare for war. I think it's an, an unforgettable and ungetoverable conclusion that we can reach right here. And that is, unless we have the Lord in our home, in our family, you're going to have an almost impossible task of keeping the enemy out. I've often thought and often believed and often preached that if you want to end right, start right. We, we need to start our homes with the Lord in those homes. Except the Lord builds a house. They labor in vain that build it. So is the Lord in your home? Can you say that today? I have Jesus is the center and the core of my home. I believe in God in my home. I have God in my house. You know, Joshua said, As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Do you say that? Can you say that? You see, we need the Lord in our homes. And He needs to be first in our homes. For years as a preacher, I would have many kid, young people, I call them children, kids. They'd come to me for counseling before they would get married, and they'd want me to perform their marriage ceremony. And for years, I gave them what was called, and is called, a premarital inventory. And I would explain to them when they would sit down to take this inventory, I said, this is not a test, and you can't flunk it. I said, all it does is to show how compatible you are for one another. And as I recall now, there were some eight, perhaps nine parts of that inventory. Uh, for example, one of the parts was a financial part, where they talk about their finances and their attitude toward finances. But, but the one that I always was concerned about their answers was the, about their spiritual life, their spirituality. I'll tell you one thing I learned over the years in giving that inventory that very, very few of the young people who came to me for counseling and to get married had given very little thought to their spiritual life before they got married. Very little thought at all. 
and that always concerned me. And that's why I would try to impress upon them the need to have the Lord in their home. I believe that there are some things that you ought to have with you when you stand at the marriage altar to pledge by the laws of heaven and earth to be faithful and true to one another so long as you both shall live. You need to bring with you on that day the loyalty of love. The loyalty of love. You know, the Bible says that love is the bond of perfectness. Colossians 3.14 In a marriage, there are going to be days that are dark and gloomy. There are going to be trying times, and maybe some of you possibly right now are going through some of those trying times. But that which will keep you together through, through those trying times in your marriage is the love you have one for another. Not only do we need to bring the Lord to love, we need to bring the tone of trust. In talking about a worthy woman in Proverbs, the, the writer says, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. See, we need to learn to trust one another. If a husband does not trust his wife, and if a wife does not trust her husband, you're going to have some very difficult times. Another thing you bring to that altar is the mind of maturity. The mind of maturity. Marriage is not for children. Marriage is for adults. It's for people that are mature enough to make that decision. And so you need to be mature. We also need to bring on that day the, the permanence of purpose. When you get married, just how long do you plan to stay married? You plan to stay married till you find out he snores like a freight train? <laughs> you plan to stay married until she finds out she can't cook? How long do you plan to stay married? I read about a place down in Florida that, that advertised wedding rings for rent. Makes you wonder how long they plan to use them, doesn't it? Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Permanence of purpose. But you need to also bring, it's the stance of spirituality. That's going back to verse 1, isn't it? Except the Lord build a house. Except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain that build it. And we need to have the Lord at the heart and the core of our families. A number of years ago, I was preaching for a church, and, and it was decided by the elders of the church that on a Wednesday night, on Wednesday, in the month of December that year, that we would invite various speakers to come and preach their favorite sermon on the home. But one of the men was going to be, that we invited was a counselor. He worked for the state of Alabama as a counselor. And we asked him to talk about how we can keep our families together. And he started out by saying, I'm not a preacher. After he had spoken for two or three minutes, we understood he was not a preacher. He was not accustomed to getting up and speaking to audiences. And he spoke possibly 30 or 35 minutes about things that pertain to the home, 
from his experience in dealing with people every day, broken homes, troubled children, troubled parents. And then finally, he said, now I'm going to tell you tonight what I'm not allowed by the laws of Alabama to tell people where I work. They will not allow me to do it. And I'm going to tell you what you need to do to keep your marriage together. Well, I sort of got on the edge of my seat, you know, and I thought, man, he's going to tell us something that's revolutionary, something we possibly have never heard before. I thought, man, this is going to be so great, and I'm going to go everywhere and telling everybody I know what he says tonight. So I kind of got on the edge of my seat with anticipation, and, and here's what he said. He said, from my experience as a counselor and as a therapist, I can tell you that if you want to keep your marriage together, put the Lord first in your home. I thought that's so simple, but that's so profound. And that is so true. But isn't that what the psalmist said? Except the Lord keep the house, they labor in vain that build it. Well, the next thing he talks about in this chapter, Psalms 127, is the, is the birth of children. He said, Lo, children are an heritage, heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Why, he says, His arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Children. You remember when your children were born? You, you remember how you felt, how nervous you were, Dad? You know, I, I remember when I was born, you know, I was driving like a madman to get my wife to the hospital, you know. And, and then back in those days, the, the dad just had to sit out in the waiting room and wait till the baby was born. Nowadays, the fathers can go in there with the with the mother in the birthing process, but not when our children were born. And I, I remember when our son was born, and our, and our first daughter was born, and our last daughter was born, and, and I had to look at those children through that glass window while a nurse is holding the baby. But when I looked into the faces of those children each time one was born, I, I didn't think of that just being a mouth I've got to feed. I didn't think of that as a body that I've got to clothe. I didn't think of it as a mind I've got to educate. I saw that child as a soul that needed to be saved one day. And it was my responsibility. The more I studied the Bible, the more I am convinced that it is the responsibility of parents to, to teach their children moral, ethical, and spiritual values. Parents have that responsibility. In the Old Testament, Moses was addressing this issue with, with the Israelites, and he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and the Lord, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind. And the word which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And listen to him. And you shall teach it diligently unto your children. And you shall talk of it when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And they shall be as, 
a sign upon your hand and its frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the post of your house and on your gates. That's what Moses said about children to the Israelites. There's a great deal for us to learn there today. What did he say? Why, he said, you need to teach your children God. To teach children about God, that there is just one God in whom we live and move, have our being. Teach them to love God with all of their heart, soul, and mind. But you know, fathers and mothers, it's difficult to teach children something that we don't have ourselves. We need to teach them ourselves. Things that we have in our heart. And he said, teach them the things that I've spoken to you. That is, teach them the Word of God. And we make a grave mistake when we neglect the Word of God in the rearing of our children. And, it's, and I think next when he talks about lying down, rising up, walking by the way and the like, he's talking about the routine of life. You see, our responsibility as parents, even as grandparents, is to be involved in the moral, ethical, and spiritual training of our children and grandchildren in just the routine of life. Why you take your grandson fishing? Why not talk to him about God while you're out there in a stream of water fishing? And if he's a little child, talk to him about where, how God made everything. And talk to him about nature. See a full moon one night. Take your children out and say, Children, look up at that full moon. Who made that moon? God made that moon, Daddy. God made that moon. You see, that's teaching them about God. Then he said, You write those words on the post of your house and on the gates. That is the word to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And maybe that's a way of saying that the, one of the last things our children ought to remember is they leave our homes to go out on their own is to love God. Socrates said almost 2,000 years ago, fellow citizens, if I could climb to the highest place in Athens, I would lift my voice and proclaim. Fellow citizens, why do you turn and scrape every stone to gather wealth to whom one day you must relinquish it all? I think that's a pretty good question, don't you? I think that's a good question for people in the 21st century. Why do we always turn and scrape every stone for the accumulation of worldly things or material things at the expense of neglecting the moral, ethical, and spiritual training of our children? You know, children are so precious. Children are precious to God. I remember a story in the Old Testament about Hagar and Ishmael. And Abraham sent them away with provisions, and after the provisions were gone, Ishmael was sitting under a tree, and there was his mother Hagar not far away, and about an arrow shot away. And she did not want to hear her son as he was starving to death. But do you know what the Bible says about Ishmael? God heard the cries of the lad. 
And I believe God hears the cries of children today. Yes, I do. I believe He hears the cries of children that are being physically and sexually abused. He hears the cries of little children that go to bed at night without something to eat. He hears the cries of little children that are having to live on the streets because mother and daddy don't have a place for them to live. He hears the cries of little children who are in a a broken home. I believe that God is concerned about children. They are special to God. And if we want to save our homes, don't forget to try to save your children. You know, there are a lot of questions about children in the Bible. Well, one of those questions in the Bible about children is a young man, Absalom, saved. David, the king of Israel, asked that question. And possibly the time that he should have been asking that question was when Absalom was just a lad of a boy. But David was so busy being a king, evidently he didn't take up enough time with Absalom because Absalom rebelled against his own father. Is he safe? Is your Absalom safe today? Are your children safe? Another question asked about children is, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And the answer is taking heed to the Word of God. Children, let us do everything we can to prevent problems in our families today. By doing that, we have to go back to God and His way. I want to thank you for watching today. And today I want to encourage you to call for the free Bible correspondence course. If you'd rather take that course by... Uh, online, well then their information is there available for you for that. Let me encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community and we want to urge you now to call again, call right now, pick up the phone, the free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize it is free. We want you to have it and you say, well why are you offering it free? Because we want you to Get to know your Bible. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you as our prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible. 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.